Hey everyone, I'm Cody, and you are listening to a public church podcast. I hope you enjoy the talk today, and thanks for listening. As Alex said, we are just so excited for Beyond Sunday, and and maybe this is your first time tuning in or being in the room with us. And so in just a moment, David Harkins is going to cast some vision for what today is. David has actually been mentoring me on how to lead our church through this time. And David is formerly an executive pastor, so he's led through several versions of the Beyond Project. He and his wife, Sherry, also lived in two communist nations where he taught at a university so that way they could share Jesus in those places. And so David definitely has a global perspective. And so David, would you just come up and could we honor David as he comes? Good morning. I'm thinking about the people of Israel whenever Joshua led them into the promised land. Whenever he did that, uh, God stopped the river and let the people walk through like he did with the Red Sea before. Um, And whenever Joshua was leading the people through there, he had several of them pick up big rocks and carry them to where the shore would be. And uh, whenever they got there, they put those up in an altar and made it a thing to remind them of what they just saw happen. That day, they saw God step in. And for years after that, it was, a con- it was a reminder that they were the people who saw that happen in that place on that day. That's kind of what this is like to me. This is kind of like setting the stage for us to be the people who see God show up. Uh, the people of Israel, they were just following God. I mean, He was leading them to where He wanted them to go. Right now, God's leading public church to do some things. And we get to be the people who hear from Him and choose to follow as well as we can and see him show up. Then after that, whenever the facilities get built and ministries get facilitated in those facilities, all of that stuff will be for us that kind of reminder that we were the people God called. We're the people that God brought together to make this happen. We're the people who get to see him do what he does. And the result, the result will be lives get saved. Lives get saved in Cleveland and beyond Cleveland their lives are going to be rescued because of this. Lives will be rescued and lives will be changed, starting with us, because we're the people who get to see God show up. God's God's doing a thing. He's growing us as well as expanding His kingdom in this place. Like that mustard seed parable about it starting small and growing into a tree that that birds build their nests in. They make a home there. They shelter there. That's God's shalom he's spreading through us so we're going to have an opportunity to listen to God hear what he has to say and follow him I'm wondering what is your hope for the beyond project I'm not asking you what you would like I'm not asking you what you think can happen I'm asking you what does God have to say what is he laying on your heart and are you going to follow through see him show up. It is so good to be here for Beyond Sunday. And I just want to start with a guy named Paul. If, if this is your first time in any kind of setting like this, maybe you don't follow Jesus, Paul is incredibly influential. He was a converted terrorist who then became an influential leader in the early Jesus movement. In fact, it's likely that we can thank Paul for the gospel or the story of Jesus even getting to us. 
He was a pioneer that began blazing trails that other people built on, so the gospel eventually crossed the Atlantic and got to us. And even if you know about Paul, I'm just wondering if you know that he said, be rich. So here's what I want you to do. Be rich. Specifically, he told Timothy, who he discipled and mentored and empowered to lead a church, he said, Timothy, command your church to be rich. You know, anytime we talk about money, it doesn't take a lot to get awkward, but I think I just raised the tension even more. <laughs> when I first heard this, I was appalled, and red flags just started going off. So I thought, well, what about people who don't have much? Is this some kind of prosperity gospel? No, it's not, and no, we're not that kind of church, just to be clear. Like, like what in the world could Paul be talking about here? And so that's why it's dangerous to lift a part of a verse or a verse out of its context and interpret in isolation. So what Paul meant was something that's very consistent with everything Jesus said about money. He was actually just building on what Jesus said. He was not contradicting it. And we're going to see what Paul meant today in our text, 1 Timothy 6, our text for Beyond Sunday. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, we're going to go there. And just to catch you up in case this is your first time, it is day 21 of a 21-day journey. You heard that earlier. On the screen is going to be some points on that journey. And I'm just wondering, does anybody else love to mark things off? Come on, some of your souls are just being refreshed. Mm, strike through font. It is just medicine for the soul. Okay, so good. So you can see where we've been at. So maybe this is your first day. Hey, just join us. Hop on in with day 21. If as a result of today, you want to go back and, and spend three to five minutes a day and have a moment with God to see God's heart for generosity, that's still going to be on our app. We also had a day of prayer international time of prayer. We had a worship night, and now we are coming together on Beyond Sunday to see what Jesus wants to do. And as we see what Jesus wants to do both in and through us, we're going to be in 1 Timothy 6. So a little context, so that way we don't take these two words Paul wrote and misinterpret them. Context of 1 Timothy 6 is that Paul is letting us know that greed is a trap. Some of the things we talked about last week. That greed's a trap, and we have to talk about greed because otherwise, it's like a gravitational pull that will just suck us in, especially in Western culture. Materialism, consumerism, it's just going to suck us in, and greed will consume us unless we actively fight against it. And maybe you're still uncomfortable with having conversations like this in a, a church gathering, but know this, we can't ignore it because Jesus prioritized it. Coming from somebody who tried to ignore this, who tried to not talk about finances and money and greed. But as I read what Jesus said, he talked a lot about this. So we can't ignore it because Jesus prioritized it. And why did he do that? From the top, know this, because Jesus isn't after our money. He's after our hearts. And as we dive into this passage, we're going to see why Jesus, why Paul had to talk about this so much. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, we'll begin in verse 13. It says this, in the sight of God. Pause. So, so here we are, and this is like an anchor passage on generosity. And right in the middle of it, Paul writes this phrase, in the sight of God, because here's what we need more than anything today. We need to catch a glimpse of God. We need to see who Jesus is because a proper view of God leads to a proper view of money. Let's just expand that. A proper view of God leads to a proper view of everything. 
So it starts by us saying, man, Jesus, we just want to see you and see who you are. So as we read through this, Jesus followers, feel free to worship. Feel free to clap at some point. Feel free to say right on. You're not saying it to me. You're saying it about Jesus. Because we're going to catch sight of who Jesus is. In the sight of God, who gives life to everything. From the beginning, foundational to any conversation on generosity is the acknowledgement that God is the source, that God is the owner. Guess what? That means we are not the source. We are not the owner. It's not mine. And it's not yours either. In other words, we are stewards, not owners. Stewards who manage our Father's resources. We're not owners. And here's a big difference between stewards and owners. Stewards are accountable. Owners are responsible. Stewards are accountable. Owners are responsible. So you see here's what the, how that plays out. If you're the owner, then you've got to have contingency plan A, B, C, D, all the way through Z, because it all depends on you, and you have to hold your stuff very tightly. You are responsible. If you're a steward, you're just accountable for what you do with what the master puts in your hands, with what the owner puts in your hands. So you don't have to have all the contingency plans, because God has all the contingency plans we could ever need. <laughs> so we can be open-handed with our stuff as stewards rather than owners. You know, in another letter Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he actually said, hey, everything you're giving, you first received. Ooh. So remember, don't lose sight. If you're able to give it, it's because you first received it. James 1.17, Jesus' brother echoed that, where he said, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, among whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. God is the source of it all. So knowing that, here's what he says about Jesus. And of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. I wish we could spend 30 minutes on just this little phrase. It is so loaded. We're not going to, in case you're worried. <laughs> But here's what it's saying. It's saying in the most pressure-filled moment that you can imagine, Jesus thrived. He didn't crumble under the pressure. He shined. So maybe you're feeling the pressure. The walls are closing in on your life. Jesus has you. You can trust him. He can handle the pressure. He can handle anything that's thrown at our lives. He just wants us to put it in his hands. And so he says, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We just sang about that, that Jesus is coming back, which God will bring about in his own time. Again, God owns everything and he owns time. So we can trust him. This is a huge invitation to say, trust God, who's the owner of everything, who's in control of everything, even time. And it says this, that God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords, that he is unrivaled in all the universe. I mean, come on, we're talking about Jesus. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone is immortal. Death can't touch him. He conquered death when he rose from the dead and who lives in unapproachable light. If we were to stand in the presence of God right now, we would be obliterated. We can't handle it. But because of Jesus, one day we will stand in his presence, but we will be covered by the blood of the lamb, and we will be able to see God when Jesus returns. Come on. And then it says, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. That is who Jesus is. 
So if you don't follow Jesus, this is your moment. This is your moment to see Jesus, and we invite you to let him change you. So if at any point today you want to repent, which means a change of mind that results in a change of action, practically you're saying, Jesus, I can't fix myself, but you can. Jesus, I am in desperate need, and you are the medicine. Jesus, I need you. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. I'm going to stop being the leader, and I'm going to let you be the leader. If that's what you want to do at any point, stop talking to me and just start talking to Jesus. Because when we see him, everything begins to change. And here's why Paul puts this right in the middle of a passage on generosity. Because we can't live, verse 17, until we internalize verses 13 through 16. Like, like we can't live what we're about to read unless we internalize verses 13 through 16. So maybe for some of us, what we need to do is this week, read verses 13 through 16, and then read it again, and then sit in it, and just see God for who he is. So with that foundation, he says this in verse 17, command those who are rich in this present world, and that's us. It's most of us. On a global scale, most of us would be considered rich in this present world. That means he's talking to us, so we should lean in. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. He starts off and he says, hey, let's not let our wealth produce arrogance. Let's not let our wealth produce arrogance. A lot of times when we have more than someone else, we begin to think we're better than them. We can measure that. Oh, yeah, I got more stuff than you. I've got cooler stuff than you. So the reality is I'm just better than you. This actually works against this whole idea of God as the owner because it's the mindset that I earned it. I've got this stuff, and I'm better than you, but I earned it. I work for it. Well, just to push against that, God gave you the ability to earn it. God gave me the ability to earn it. Not everybody in the world can physically do the work that you and I have done to earn it, and so everything comes from God. So instead of arrogance... We have gratefulness. He says, let's, let's not be arrogant. Let's not be haughty. And then he says, don't put your trust in riches, which is so uncertain. You know what our culture tells us? It tells us that when you get a certain amount in the bank account and that number is always increasing, then you're safe. Then you're secure. Put your trust in riches. And Jesus actually told a story that speaks directly against that. See, this guy had walked up to Jesus and was basically saying, Jesus, when the inheritance comes, I just want to make sure I get more than my fair share. Can you make sure I'm covered? I need some stuff, Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. In other words, Jesus knew greed's a trap. It's a gravitational pull, and it will suck us in unless we actively fight against it. So Jesus says, literally, watch out. Be on guard. And then he tells them a parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store, notice the language, my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Jesus is not saying don't have a savings account. You should have a savings account. All of us should have a savings account. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. What he's talking to is this guy's motive. Notice everything is about him. 
It's my stuff. I'm not going to use it to benefit any of y'all. It's all about me. How can I use it for me? Do you see that? And so what happens in verse 20, it says, God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Jesus tells this story to help us know that even when the bank account looks great, we still can't put our trust in riches. It's uncertain. It can be gone in a moment's notice. And so Jesus ends with this. This is how it will be. With whoever stores up things, notice, for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Pause. Uh, I thought we said early on, that Jesus isn't after our money, he's after our heart, and now Jesus says, be rich towards God. What does he mean by be rich towards God? I'm glad you asked, because Paul's gonna explain that in 1 Timothy 6, as we continue in verse 17. It first says this, put your hope in God. Why? Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Here's what Paul wants us to understand. That when we hold money loosely, it allows us to hold God tightly. But we can't release what we put our hope in. So if our hope is in money, then we're going to hold it tightly, and we can't release it, and we're acting like owners. But when we hold our stuff loosely, it frees us up to hold God tightly and to put our hope in God who will never let us down. And with our hope in God, we can do verse 18. Here's what it means to be rich towards God. Command them to do good, to be rich. There's our phrase. To be rich in what? To be rich in good deeds. You gotta read the whole passage, people. <laughs> to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Did you catch that? Command them, start off junior, just, just do good. A few weeks ago, our parking team noticed that a, a college student, a female college student, had a flat tire in her car. So you know what they did? They did good. They just said, you know what? We're going to try to fix it. They weren't able to quite fully fix it, but they got it as fixed as they could. And then one of our parking team members who has daughters said, you know what? I would want somebody to take care of my daughters if they were out of town. And so we went and bought her a kit. So as she's driving, it goes flat again. She can fix it again. What did they do? They just did good. <laughs> Sometimes we overcomplicate these things, don't we? You know what, that, that costs money, that costs time, that, that was generosity. But he said, hey, if we're going to follow Jesus, we just do good. And then it says, not only do we do good, but it says this, that we should be rich in good deeds to be generous and willing to share. Here's the big idea. Use your stuff or your stuff will use you. Use your stuff or your stuff will use you. Maybe this helps, just to phrase another way. Leverage your possessions or your possessions will leverage you. Jesus isn't saying it's wrong to have stuff. He's saying, what are we doing with it? And if we're not intentionally fighting against greed, you know how we do that? We fight against greed through generosity. We use our stuff. We leverage our possessions to benefit other people to point people towards Jesus. So if we're not fighting against greed with generosity, you know what will happen? Often even unknowingly, our stuff will use us. Our possessions will leverage us. We'll find ourselves going into more debt on our credit card because, well, I need this thing and I've got to get the newer thing and, and I've got to keep up with so-and-so. And we're making decisions and if we just stop for a moment, we realize actually we're not leading our lives and neither is Jesus. Our stuff is. Greed is actually leading our lives. So he says, let, let, let's fight against greed. 
with generosity. And then he says this in verse 19. He says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. He's saying, look, this world is not all there is. If this world was all there is, it would make sense just to accumulate stuff and get as much as we can. But there's this thing called eternity. There's another world. So let's not just lay up treasure in this world. Let's lay up treasure that lasts beyond this world. And so for where we're at today, what is the Beyond Project? And how is the Beyond Project laying up treasure beyond this world? How is the Beyond Project an eternal investment? Well, the Beyond Project, real simply, the vision is this. Create spaces where Jesus impacts people beyond the room. Create spaces where Jesus impacts people beyond the room. Understand our gatherings should impact our Wednesdays at work. Our gatherings should impact how we put our kids to bed at night and what we do when they're flipping out. Our gatherings should impact the decisions we make on Friday night when no one else will know what we do. Our gatherings should impact what we're doing at work when the boss is left and nobody's around and you probably actually wouldn't get caught. Our gatherings should impact us beyond the room. And so we're gonna create space where that can happen more. So in phase one of this, we are prioritizing, we're building kid space, two multi-purpose rooms, and a new lobby. And so you can see this great image of it. And the circle is phase two. Phase two is gonna be a gathering space, but outside that circle, this first part, that's lobby, children, multi-purpose. That's where we're going today. We're gonna talk about why we're prioritizing kids. We're gonna talk about why this is internal investment. But first, know that authenticity is a part of how we handle everything, including finances. So here's some details that we just wanna be very authentic about. A, we have chosen the one fund approach for Beyond Sunday and the Beyond Project. Quite simply, what that means is that all of our giving flows into all of our vision, including the Beyond Project. Practically, that means you don't have to designate. Today or any other day, you can just give. You don't have to designate anything. Our finance team with elder oversight makes those allocation decisions. Why do we do it this way? Because churches have gotten in situations where they don't quite have enough money to break ground, but they also don't quite have enough money to do the ministry they feel like God's leading them to do because those funds are separate and untouchable. We can avoid that situation through the one fund. Also, we are gonna need a loan to do this. And so we're working with the Baptist Church Loan Corporation, the BCLC. Here's the good news about that loan. All the interest we pay goes to fund other church and nonprofit projects. In other words, the interest we pay is going towards other churches' versions of the Beyond Project. Even our interest is beyond us and benefiting people besides us. So, so bottom line, our contractor has given us amount for this phase one, lobby children multipurpose, $2 million. So what that means is to break ground, we need $500,000 in giving and pledges. I'll define pledge in just a little bit. And right now, in a line item for the Beyond Project, a line item in our one fund, we have $197,528. We're right on the cusp of $200,000. So some of you may be familiar with the Stockdale Paradox. It means you face the brutal facts, but you never give up hope. So here's the brutal facts. We may not get from $197,000 to $500,000 today. We're going to take a big step. And here's why we can maintain hope. Because today's not a day of worry. Today's a day of confidence. 
I encourage you to just take some time this week and read the rest of Luke 12. And Jesus starts talking about the birds and the flowers. And he's not just being artsy. Here's what he's saying. His punchline is, hey, your father knows what you need. Don't worry about all these things that all these other people worry about. Your father has got you. So today we're not saying, oh, we need this. I hope it happens. No, no. We have complete confidence and trust in God. Remember, he owns time. He's going to do this thing in his timing. If God provides the vision, he will provide the resources for the vision so we can relax and celebrate and operate today out of confidence in our Father in heaven. So how is the Beyond Project an eternal investment? Well, I'm thinking about E-R-O-I for you business people. That means eternal return on investment. So here's some E-R-O-I that's going to flow from the Beyond Project. It's a child who surrenders to Jesus. Think about that. Maybe some of us will meet a kid that we didn't meet on earth. We'll meet that kid in heaven, and that kid surrendered to Jesus in this new space. Understand that every single kid who gets baptized after today, you've invested in it. All of us who give have invested in that. Our generosity is literally fueling life change. But also think about a kid whose parents don't follow Jesus. And we equip our children and public kids to go home and talk about the lesson and talk about Jesus, even if their parents don't want to. <laughs> and so imagine this kid whose parents don't follow Jesus and that kid comes home and starts asking questions about Jesus. And the Holy Spirit begins to move on that parent. And now suddenly we don't just have a kid following Jesus. We've got a parent following Jesus and then maybe an uncle following Jesus. Then maybe a grandmother following Jesus. Do you see the ripple effect? That is E-R-O-I, eternal investment. I think about a middle school small group meeting in one of those multi-purpose rooms. A middle school small group of girls. And for middle school girls, culture is telling them, hey, find your identity in, in Instagram and all these social medias and TikTok and comments and likes. And I imagine these girls in this multi-purpose room and they are getting into the word and they're being taught to anchor who they are in what Jesus says about them, not what some social media post says about them. That is E. ROI. I envision a lobby full of college students on a cold November night, a lot like this one. As college nights is happening, and as these students are, are playing card games and different types of games and are just right there, and, and I imagine during this time that there's a freshman, and it's November, and as they're playing games, this is the first time they felt at home since the semester started. This is their first time they felt like, I've found my family. I imagine two people sitting on a bigger lobby in a couch because right now our prayer team is tucked away in a little corner. We want to get them some more space. And I imagine maybe it's one of you who goes and sits on this couch with our prayer teammates. And you begin to ask questions that you haven't asked for years. And you just begin to ask these questions. And as you have this conversation as you are prayed over, this conversation on this couch literally changes the direction of your life. I envision a lobby filled with internationals as our international friend network is hosting an event called Taste of the Nations that they love to have. And I imagine just all different kinds of nations with some really good food and people that are often in our culture feel like outsiders. Suddenly they feel valued and their individual culture is celebrated as we're also able to eat some delicious food. That is eternal return on investment. 
And that's what we're invited to give to today. And know this, that we are going to do collectively what we're inviting all of us to do individually. So today, no matter what comes in, we're actually giving away $10,000. 5000 of that is going to go to four families in our church. As we're going to bless people in our church. Each of those four families are going to get $1,250. Now, some of these families, some of them have kids, some of them don't have kids. Some are single, some of them are married. But here's some things that are going on in their lives. They're facing the challenges of adopting and fostering, of disabilities, of following Jesus, and then life seemingly getting harder. But, but one of these people saying, you know what? Yes, life has gotten harder, but I know Jesus is with me and I need him to make it through this. We're talking about medical bills that were unforeseen that just keep piling up. And I wish you could have been on the phone with me as I called each of them and said, we are giving you $1,250 as they were speechless and overwhelmed and many of them cried. And you guys are a part of that. Can we praise Jesus for that? It's beyond us. And then we're giving away $5,000 to a global partner. I can't say the name of this partner because that would put their work in jeopardy. And I have some notes because I want to make sure I get these details right. This $5,000, it's going to take care of 11 girls who are ages 8 through 20. It's going to provide education, homework, mentoring, and one-on-one counseling and it's gonna prevent them from being trafficked. That's the work here, yes. And there's evidence to back this up. All of the girls who've been in this business from this nonprofit and have moved on from this business, all of them now have full-time employment and none of them have been trafficked. They've actually worked with one 20-year-old girl since she was eight years old. They helped her walk through the death of her mom. They helped her walk through meeting her dad and countless other struggles and adversity. And they're still walking with her today. And this $5,000 we're giving is exactly what this organization needs to continue supporting those 11 girls. Can we praise Jesus? Come on. It's so much bigger than us. So here's the opportunity we have today. In your seat, you have a Beyond Sunday card. And I want to invite us to all write our name and our phone number on it. Phone number because we want to be able to say thank you to you. And we need the record of this for our loan as we move forward. And on the back, what you see is today's gift. There you would just write, hey, here's what I'm giving today. If you give on push pay, know that range is Saturday through Saturday. Yesterday through next Saturday, so maybe you normally give on Wednesday, we got you covered. And you have a total 2022 pledge. What's a pledge? A pledge is a generosity commitment beyond your typical giving. So what you might write here is $1,200. What that means is every month, you're gonna give 100 more dollars than you normally would give. And so you're saying that's $1,200 for the year beyond my typical pledge. Maybe it's $100. Whatever that is, that's what a pledge is. And then you're gonna get to write, my hope for the building. So not all of us can give money today, but all of us can give hope. And that's why we're hoping for 100% participation Because even if it's your first time here, if you're part of another church, you can write your hope as you hear from God. And you can walk up here in a few minutes 
and you can put it in these boxes. Our kids designed that. Aren't they gorgeous? Isn't that awesome? Our kids took care of these for us. And you can drop in both your gift. If you want a gift today, you can, if you have a check, you can put it right here. And all of us can put in our card as we can all give hope. And if you're watching online, whether that's today or whether that's a year from now, if you just go to our website, publicchurch.com, there's a button that says Beyond Sunday Card. You have a digital version of this. And so in just a little bit, what, what's going to be incredible as well is our public kids, elementary kids, they're coming over. And so parents, if you're the parent of that age group, if you just want to step out in a little bit to the lobby and you and your kid can have this moment of worship together. And it's a moment of worship. Yeah, you may have to crawl over somebody. That's okay. This is a moment of worship. And here's the worship. It's not about the money. It's about our hearts. This is an opportunity to give Jesus more of our hearts. And to help us think about our hope for the building, we have some people, all of whom are teammates, all of whom are volunteers, and they're going to come share their hope for the building. So Wesley, would you lead us off? Um, my hope and prayer for the building is um, that all people, but especially the kids, would just fall deeply in love with God. And as a result of that, that they could go out and boldly proclaim the gospel to everyone they interact with. Once I was young, and now I am old. Can't see you, the lights are so bright. <laughs> Maybe that's good. It's wonderful to be here. This is a wonderful, wonderful place. And God has entrusted this man precious man of God. I see Jesus in him. I hear Jesus in him. And we're so blessed to be here. I'm excited about the first building for children. Children are very special to my heart. I have many of them. I have four children, 10 grandchildren, and by the end of this month, I'll have 10 great-grandchildren. And oh, do I love them. With all my heart, I love them. And I spend time before the Lord and call each one of their names and know that God will answer that prayer. So parents... Teach your children. Oh my, give them Jesus. Give them Jesus. They need a foundation to stand on so that when they get out there in the world, they have something to go and get from the Lord Jesus Christ. Tell them the Bible stories. Tell them about Daniel in the lion's den. Tell them about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they were in the fiery furnace and Jesus brought them out without even the smell of smoke. 
Hallelujah. Do I love Jesus? You bet I do. With everything that is in me, I have served him for many years. We raised our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And there's nothing like it. I was thinking in regard to the church and the buildings about the time when Jesus was with the disciples and he turned to Peter because Peter was kind of a rascal. <laughs> he turned to Peter and he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? Peter must have had a quick revelation because he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Didn't come from anybody else but by the Holy Spirit of God. And Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah, what a savior we have. Let's worship him and praise him the presence and anointing and power of God in our midst so that others are drawn in. I was so drawn into this place. Somebody told me about it, my daughter's daughter, and we came and visited. What a time. I was so touched and so moved. Poor Todd. I ended up on his shoulder just crying. I was so blessed with the word of God that he brought. So thank you for allowing me, this little old lady, <laughs> to be in your midst. I love you, young people. Nothing blesses me any more than to see those hands in the air. And you praise in the Lord. You're beautiful. You're just beautiful. Thank you, and God bless you, and we will go on, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of God. We should have put Mama Jan at the end. I don't know how you follow that, but... Thank you. As I was thinking about the building, I couldn't help but think about our little Annie and Jackson and um, what that space is going to mean to them. And um, I know that culture now, it likes to make us question our faith and um, question the direction we're going. But my hope and my prayer for that building is that our children and other children and even adults would hear the word of God and that the Holy Spirit would begin working and their hearts and that that would be enough um, for them. So, and another thing, um, my hope 
for the new space is that people can come into um, come into public church. Maybe they're going through a difficult time. Maybe they just need to um, slip in the back. But then that in every season that people could feel like that public church was a safe place for them to encounter Jesus. And so that's my hope for the building, and I'm excited to see what God's going to do in the future. I'm very excited that we will have more classrooms for more people to learn about Jesus and a new place to worship. All right, so um, I started jotting some things down when I was asked to do this, but um, I didn't want to just write something that simply sounded good. Um, so I prayed, and I was like, God, give me um, a word or something to say um, for the hopes of this new building. Um, and it was eternal. And that's what Todd, I had no clue that that's what he was going to be saying today. Um, so that was just really cool to experience. Um, but what I hope for this building is that God would make an eternal impact on every single person that enters it. Um, I thought about it in a personal aspect, working with public kids and students, um, that he would just get one more kid to follow him. Um, but I think about it in a sense of um, all the others that will be in there. And my prayer is just that uh, they would come to know Jesus and that they would follow him and experience the goodness that we have experienced as followers as well. So That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> So hopefully that gets us thinking about what is God speaking to us about our hope for the building? So we're all gonna have an opportunity to worship by bringing our card, bringing our gift and putting it in. And so we're just gonna be still. We're gonna have some silence. I encourage you, I know some of us have walked in and we've done the, the figures and the calculations and we know what our amounts are. Just take just 30 seconds at least. Just put that back before God and say, God, is this still what you're saying? And then when you're ready, we get to worship. Nehemiah 2.20, Nehemiah said this, the God of heaven will make us prosper as he was working on a building project. In other words, God's gonna do his part. If God's provided the vision, he will provide the resources. He said, but we, his servants, will arise and build. That's what we get to do today. So Jesus, this is all for your name. This is all for your glory. Holy Spirit, would you speak directly to us? And thank you for the privilege of being a part of what you're doing having this opportunity just to worship you through generosity. We love you, Jesus. Let me pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social media platforms at a public church or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. To give towards the vision of Public Church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting Public Church in all caps with no space to 77977. Again, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful day.